you to turn to Exodus 34 and read these two verses. We've looked at them a few times over the past few months. What do you believe about God affects everything about you. You know, it really does. What you believe His character is, His character traits, what He's like, how He responds to you, your successes, your failures, uh, everything. So much, there's so much here about, there's so much in your life that's just, just hinges on this. That's why, anyways, this is the last one we're going to do. Uh, it's the last one in this passage, but... You know, for the last few months on this third Sunday of the month, we've been looking at these different characteristics. There are five of them here. And, and just, just, quick, just a quick reminder of what we're doing here. This is this self-revelation of God, self-description of God. This is, this is neat, pretty neat because he's just telling us in this passage that's quoted and alluded to more than any other passage in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament on into the New Testament, this character, this, uh, this description of God, Exodus 34 when God is revealing himself to Moses and he passes before him, verse 6, and proclaim the Lord, the Lord, all caps, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth. This is, the, this is the right response when you see God, right? When you meet God like this. He bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And uh, that's what happens when you really, really see God as he is. Uh, so the description here in verse 6, The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and number five, faithfulness. Faithfulness. That's what we're going to key in on for a little bit tonight in this class. Now, what is faithfulness? As we've been doing here, I want to do a word study with you. I uh, hope you enjoy word studies. Uh, there's a lot to be learned from them. You've got to be careful with them. But uh, there's, there's a lot to be learned when you look at the way a word is used. Especially a, a word like this that's used to describe God just looking at how other writers used it, you know, and you, you kind of get a semantic range here. You kind of start getting a, a feel for it. You, know, I mean, you probably have an idea what you think of faithfulness looks like, but when you see how this word is used, I think it gives us a little depth there. So I want to do that for a few minutes tonight. Do you have some people in your life, or have you had people in your life who were absolutely trustworthy? Think about that for a minute, people. Just reflect on it for a minute. I was thinking about this earlier. I'm thankful for my parents. Uh, they were and are absolutely trustworthy people. I know I could go to them for anything in the world, any advice. Um, if I had a desperate need, uh, I know what their response would be. You know, they'd be, absolutely, they'd be absolutely trustworthy and faithful in their response. Even if I'd gotten myself into some sort of a mess through my own sin and wickedness, you know, I know that they would respond with compassion and grace and they'd do what they could to help me, you know. Um, you got you got folks like that that you know you know that if it is within their power to come to your aid they would be there it's a pretty neat thing I know not everybody was raised by parents who had that kind of you know the, the kind of character we're, we're talking about with this word here 
you've probably, I hope you've got some, somebody in your life like that. It might be a spouse, it could be a, a mom or a dad, or it can be a son or a daughter, a sibling, it could be a good friend, but somebody that you know, three o'clock in the morning, you're in a mess, you're in some sort of bad situation, and you know that if you got a hold of them, they would move heaven and earth. They'd move heaven and earth to make things better. That's a big deal. That is a character trait that is incredibly important. But even in, I don't know who you envisioned a minute ago, I mentioned a couple in my life, you know, mom and dad, and I can talk about Melanie, I can talk about, you know, friends and stuff, and you could talk about people in your life, but those people that I'm thinking of, that you're thinking of, there are things they cannot do. There, there could be situations that you get yourself in and you call on the aid of a friend or a parent, family member, and though they might move heaven and earth, they can't move heaven and earth. <laughs> you know, they, there are things they cannot do. They, they are not omnipotent. They, they, may be, they may be full of love towards you, full of kindness towards you. They may do anything within their power to do, but they, there are things they cannot do simply because they aren't omnipotent. You know what I mean? So when we're talking about God here being faithful, we're not, we're, we're talking about a concept that we know, but on a level that we can't really fathom. It's when we're talking about like God's holiness, for example, we can talk about our holiness, but then we talk about the holiness of God and that's something entirely different. So when we talk about a mom or dad, a friend, a sibling, spouse being trustworthy, being faithful, and then we talk about God, we're taking a concept that we know, sort of, and we've had experience with, and we're, we're trying to extrapolate from that and think about God, who is that in, 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 in an infinite way, you know? So this word here is being used to talk about God, and it, it's got some nuances that are pretty insightful, or that, that help us get some insight into God's character that I want to explore with you for a little bit. Now, let's, do, let's, do, let's talk about the word itself. It's, it's the word emet, all right? Emet, E-M-E-T. I think somebody in room in the library some, some time over the past six months or so, I think taught a class that had to do with this word because I saw the Hebrew word written on that um, board in there. So it may be somebody in here, I don't know who it was, who taught on it. So this might sound familiar to some of you, but emet, E-M-E-T. Now what the word means literally is, a lot, of, a lot of possible translations here, it means something like faithful, it means something like trustworthy, it means something like true, it means steady, reliable. It is, emet is a, a word that has a, a pretty close cousin, different form, that we say something like this, uh, Amen. Emet, amen. It has a different ending on it, but and and what that means in the Old Testament, especially when they would say amen, is it's something like it's it's kind of it's a Hebrew. It's called a Hebrew particle. It's like an emphatic thing that means something like that's true. That is true. You say amen. You know, it kind of rings true with us at the end of a prayer when we give an amen to it. What we're saying is, yeah, that's it. That's true. That's true. I agree with that. I want that. Um, so, so the word, let me give you a couple of times that it's used just to give you an idea 
like in very real context so we can remember and understand. In Exodus 17, 11, and 12, you remember that time when uh, Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt, they're on their way to the land of Canaan, and they come in contact with the Amalekites, I think it is. Yeah, so the Amalekites, they're fighting them. And as long as Moses holds his hands up, they win. Remember the story? As long as he holds his hands up, everything goes well. He gets tired, he puts his hands down, things go badly for Israel. So, with that background, let me read you something. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Can you figure out where Emmet is there? Uh, I, I like this because it, it kind of gives us a little bit of an image here. I can put my mind, I can think about that. You know, his hands were what? Steady. His hands were emet. God says, I am emet. I am, one, one way of putting it is I'm, I'm, I'm steady, you know. Moses' hands, as long as somebody was holding up, they were, they were steady. You know, I, I like that image there. When it's used of people, um, here it's used of God, of course, but when it's used of people, it remains something like a reliable and stable character, somebody who's trustworthy. You know people like this. We've got a lot of folks in this room who are like this, that, that we know, man, that she is, she is reliable. I know that she is as reliable as anybody in the world. If, if, if she says she's going to be there, if she says she's going to do something, she will do it. You know, it's that kind of character. When Moses, later on, it's one chapter later, in Exodus 18, he's appointing leaders. In Exodus 18, 21, it says this. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy. Now read, read the cousins here that go along with that word. They are trustworthy, and they hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, fifties, and tens. So you're going to appoint these, these judges, and they need to be emet judges. They need to be steady. They need to be reliable. They need to be trustworthy. They need to be people that you can put a bribe in their face, and they're going to turn away from it. Because they're not going to pervert justice according to who bribes them. You know, they are emet. So I think it's helping us. I hope it's helping us to kind of get an idea, a little bit of a deeper meaning of the word. Marvin Wilson, there's this uh, a book called Our Father Abraham, Jewish Roots of the Christian Faith. And in that book, he writes this, this, this word. When it's used to refer to humans, it often refers to those who have the capacity to remain stable, that is faithful, amid the unsettling circumstances of life, realizing God's truth has established them. End quote. That's, that's what he says about the word. Uh, well, I think we probably understand a little bit about what it means. Okay, so let's think now about what it means when it's talking about God. Um, I really s- sort of like a different translation of this better based on kind of looking at how the word is used rather than it being translated as ESV does, that God abounds in steadfast love and faithfulness. I think for me, Based on what I know of this word, a better way of putting this would be he abounds in trustworthiness. Now, faithfulness is fine. But based on how the word is often used, it, it has to do with, I think, a better way of talking about it is we know that God is, 
he's faithful, but he's, I can put my trust in him. I mean, he is as solid as they, as they come. He is solid in an infinite kind of way. He's faithful, he's trustworthy. In fact, Moses puts it that way using the imagery of a, of a rock. In Deuteronomy 32.4, he says, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of emet, a God of faithfulness, without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So he's like a rock, so he uses that image there. Now, the Hebrew word for trust is the verb form of our noun emet, okay? So if you, if you take emet and you turn it into a verb, you get a verb that's usually going to be translated something like trust. And so it can mean something like to believe. It can mean to have faith. It, it, but it means something usually a little bit stronger than that when, it's, when it means like to consider someone trustworthy or to trust. We're going to make our way to the New Testament here in a minute and think about our obligation to God. But I, I just want us to get a sense of, the, of kind of the, the nuances of this word. God is trustworthy. And so our attitude toward Him is to put our trust in Him. So He is emet. And we are to put our, we are to, the verb form of that word, extend, or we are to be, we are to be people of trust toward Him. We are to put our trust in Him. That's, that's the way the words work. So let me give you a couple of examples of this on the Old Testament. Uh, we go to Abraham's story quite a bit, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the promise that God made to Abraham, leave your family, leave your land, I'm going to take you to a land that I'll show you. And, and Moses got up and went. He got up and went. Three chapters later, the Bible says this about Abraham. God brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. He, he emet, well, the verb form of emet. He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So, so God's saying to Abraham, now, Abraham's not always going to live up to this, but at this moment he does. Uh, God's saying to him, look, uh, see all stars in the sky. I'm going to make your descendants like that. And Moses said, I trust you. I believe that your words are true, but not only that, I believe that your character is such that you're going to keep your promise. He believed him. Paul would later use this in the New Testament too to talk to us about, about faith. Let me give you another example. Exodus 14, 31. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. So they believed. Uh, yeah, I think we probably understand what that means. They would later falter on that. They see the giants in the land. They send the spies in, the scouts in. The scouts come back and say, yeah, the land is great. It's awesome. It's just like what God said it was going to be. But it's too, you know, they're too tall, they're too strong, the cities are too well protected, and, uh, and we can't. And so it says, in fact, in that text it says, they believed early, and then they stopped believing. So that's the opposite of, of faith. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about the trajectory of uh, this word. In... Um, in the Old Testament, the, the story progresses on beyond Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, on into the land of Egypt. They're rescued from Egypt. They, they, you know, they go from Egypt all the way to the land of Canaan. They take up residence there. God delivers the, the land to them. Ultimately, God gives them the king who is faithful, the, the king who will, unlike Israel, he will face the giant. They face the giants and ran. They face the giants and say, we can't do it. David faced the giant. 
attacked him through the power of God, defeated him, you know that story. So David is kind of like the anti-Israel there. He faces the giant, overcomes him, becomes the king who believes, the king who is faithful, the king who is trustworthy. And obviously, very notable moments where he failed with that. But, but then after David, it's this, it's this downward trajectory, right, toward faithlessness. After David, there is no other king who lives up to David's faith, right? So Solomon, you know, Abijah, uh, Rehoboam, and well, Rehoboam and then Abijah and so on. He got this kind of downward thing. In fact, it gets to a point where they, the kingdom collapses, you know, they don't, they don't it's, it's God's taking it away from them. They're devastated. They're absolutely overwhelmed. And here's something that they said. Psalm 89, 49. Lord, where is your steadfast love? That's the word we talked about a month ago. The chesed word, remember that one? The steadfast love and faithfulness of God. Where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness, that's our word tonight, which by your faithfulness you swore to David. In other words, you've abandoned us. What in the world? Where's your steadfast love, which was according to your faithfulness you swore to David. And the first line of the New Testament is God's answer. The first line is this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What happens in the way the story of the Bible goes is that the nature of God is... Well, the things we've talked about lately, the, the uh, mercy of God, the grace of God, God's being slow to anger, God's hesed, His steadfast love, His faithfulness, all have this meaning, of course, with God in Exodus 34, as God defines Himself, describes Himself. But the trajectory is toward, I hope you see this, you know, all, all the time, the nature of God points to a time where God is going to reveal Himself, not just in words and not just in whispers and not just in some, some temporary kind of you know, passing before, Abra before, uh, before Moses here of a mighty wind or a fire or smoke or whatever like He does here. It's not going to be this ephemeral passing thing, but rather in, in Matthew 1, in John 1, you've got God who is perfectly faithful and trustworthy coming to be among us. And so you've got the incarnation of Jesus. In the, uh, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, God shows His trustworthiness. Now, I started out by asking you about people that you've got in your life who are emet, who are trustworthy. And you've, you've got people like that. But it's like all of this, all of this that we've talked about, God is perfectly merciful. And we are to be merciful because He who called us is merciful. So it's, it's very important that we've got, this, we've got God presenting himself to us, kind of describing himself in Exodus 34, but we've got Matthew 1, we've got John 1, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where God shows us what that looks like. It's not just describing it in Exodus 34, which is awesome, it's great. Mighty wind, all this stuff. We've got this, these manifestations of God, these theophanies in the Old Testament, but now we've got a real person. And he shows us what mercy looks like. He, he gets his hands down in the dirt, you know. He... 
he's, he's compassionate with real people. He cries real tears. He, he's there with real people. You know, he's hurting right there in the middle of the people. Um, he is, God is a God of grace. And yeah, we like to think about grace as an abstract concept, but, but when we get to Jesus, we see what grace looks like. We see his, the way he treated sinful people. We see, we see Jesus being patient with those who are coming to him. We see, we see what grace looks like. God is slow to anger. We like to think about that, but, when, but then we see Jesus who dealt with the people around him, who, who responded to people who were crucifying him with, with patience and with love. He abounds in steadfast love and in, in, in covenant loyalty and covenant faithfulness. We like to think about that in an abstract way, and then we see it with Jesus who keeps the covenant. He shows us what that faithfulness looks like. And then we come to faithfulness. <coughs> A lot of times in the Old Testament you see it's a record of God's trustworthiness in that God says, I have taken care of you. I rescued you from Egypt. I took care of you on the way to Canaan. I gave you the land. I raised up kings. I, I've done all this stuff for you. I've been faithful to you. And so we see that. But ultimately, all that is a pale, it's a, it's a pale imitation. It's, a, it's, a, it's foreshadowing for what God is really like in his perfection. And that is as Jesus comes and he shows us what trustworthiness looks like. That is when Jesus comes and he lives the perfect life, and he dies that horrible death on Calvary. He's raised the third day. That is what trustworthiness looks like. God made the promise in Genesis 3 that the serpent, you will be defeated. You may bruise his heel, but your head is going to be bruised. You're going to be destroyed. The seed of this woman will have the last word. That's in Genesis 3. The dawn, you know, shortly after creation. At some point early on in the days of the, of the, of the world, God makes that promise, and now we've got the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's what trustworthiness looks like. He makes a promise, and he shows up, and he keeps it. Uh, and just like with every one of those, God calls us to respond in kind, you know? So I'm going to finish up here in just a couple minutes, but I want to do that by asking a couple of questions. And I'm going to pause, maybe a little bit awkwardly, and get you to think, just, just for a few seconds. If you and I, not, let me just talk about you for a minute, I'll think about myself too. Uh, but if, if you really trusted God, you know, he's describing himself as a met, he's trustworthy, perfectly trustworthy, perfectly faithful, and... and and I know all of us, we've got, we got this intellectual thing going on. We, we believe it. You're here on a Sunday night, you know. You believe it intellectually. But trust is more than an intellectual word. It's more than cognition. In fact, one of the descriptions of it I was reading this afternoon was, uh, what was it? Uh, something like, it was full body. I, I think that's what it was. Like full body. A trust is a full body word. It's not just a mind thing. Okay, so back to my question. Intellectually, you believe that God is trustworthy. But what if you really, really, really believe that on every level of your being, your whole body and soul and mind and spirit, like everything that you are, if you really believe that God is absolutely, perfectly trustworthy, how would it change your life? See, because the trustworthiness of God, when we, 
when we get when we get to this point where we really trust God, it changes everything about us. So I, that's why you know I don't love the I don't love the hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. I believe all that. It's just I believe I believe it can so often kind of trivialize it. You know that it's we kind of we we can kind of go through. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that mnemonic thing. You know, just just that. We kind of go through that, and we kind of hear believes a step on the way to something. Uh, belief's not a step. It's not, you know, it's not a step in some sort of plan. It's belief is a life. It's a it's a whole body thing. It is a. It's it's everything. You know, why are you baptized? I mean, you're you're baptized because you trust in Him completely, and baptism is an act of submission. It's an act of. Uh, helplessness, you know, you are just submitting, you know. Why do you repent? Because your trust in God realizes that what he's saying about you is true and you've messed the whole thing up. You, you've repented of it and you believe in him and you trust, you know. You confess based on, it, the whole thing is, that's why we're saved by faith, not that a step, we're saved by a response that says, Lord, you are completely trustworthy and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell out because I believe it with, with all my heart. That's what trust is, you know. That's what belief is, biblically speaking. Now there Sometimes the word is used in a slightly different way. You know, even the demons believe and tremble, James says in James 2. So sometimes it's used that way. But when we're talking about biblical faith, biblical faith that God is calling us to have, it's a whole body thing, the whole life thing. So if you have, if you truly believe that God is trustworthy, how does it change the way you live? How does, how does it change the way you, you face difficult things when life goes south <clears throat> and you're dealing with something right now, maybe, I know some of you are, you're dealing with some things, you're, you're nervous and you're scared and you're afraid and you're, I don't know, angry, whatever, whatever the emotions are, all the emotions you're having. But if you truly trust in God, what do you have? Think about it. You know, what do you have? Remember we started out by talking about if you're, it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you, you're in, you're, something's going on, you know, and you need somebody, and you call them up. You're somebody you believe is trustworthy. You call them up, and you know they'll do whatever they can to help you. But you've got something more than that. You've got a God who has promised you that whatever you're going through at this moment, He's there. And he may choose to remove whatever the thorn is, or he may not. He may choose not to. But what you've got is the confidence that an all-powerful, all-loving, creator, sovereign, king of kings, lord of lords, that he knows, and he's completely trustworthy. There's nothing he cannot do that's within his will. There's nothing he doesn't know there's nothing outside the scope of his love. If you truly believe that, if I truly believe that, how does it change the way we deal with devastating stuff? It's got to change it, right? It's got to change it. So this emet idea, the trustworthiness of God, is a life-changing thing, and I think that's why God puts it last here in this description, this five-fold description of himself. He's talking about all these other things, and he comes to the end of it, and he says, and I am, I am emet in all of that. 
I'm trustworthy in the covenant love. I'm trustworthy in the grace. I'm trustworthy, completely trustworthy in the, in the mercy. Completely trustworthy that, that, my, that, that I withhold my anger, you know? Completely, in every respect. And so, when we believe that, it changes everything. Not just the bad stuff, it changes the way you've, you face the joys of life, the triumphs of life. You don't, you don't get over, you, you, don't get, you don't get so giddy about earthly successes because you know you, you you put them in the you frame them within the divine economy within God's plan you know and so you're not going to be overwhelmingly excited in this temporal sense you know by by life's triumphs because you you situate them within what God is doing and so you're not going to be brought so low by the devastations you will be hurt we will be hurt but we won't be devastated by them it, 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 it affects everything, the way we make decisions in life, uh, choices before us. We know that God is in control, and so our response to Him is going to be, when we're people of faith, it's going to be, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter what. That's what emet is. God is trustworthy, infinitely, and so we can put everything in that basket. Everything. And when we do that, it's, it's really freeing to live that kind of life, to, to know, hey, I don't know how this is going to work out, and I'm pretty nervous about it. But God's, gonna, God's got it. He's going he's gonna to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. That's, that's what the life of faith is. It's not a step on the way to something. It's a way of living. And it's just a way of life that we respond to the trustworthiness of God. And by extending trust, extending belief, by, by putting everything in that, in that basket, you know. Uh, we don't have an invitation song tonight. The uh, invitation for you guys, for all of us, is always open to people joining us online. If there's anything we can do at any point in life, at any point in your life, to help you, pray for you, baptize you, night or day, uh, talk to you about your relationship to the Lord, help you walk through something you're dealing with, we're here and we want to. want you to know that. Anybody got anything you want to add? This is sort of a class-like setting. You got, you got any comments or thoughts about this before we finish up? Alrighty, uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll be done for tonight. Okay. Father, thank you so much for uh, a good day today. Thank you. We look outside and we see you know cold and rainy weather. We are thankful that. We've all, got, uh, we've all got warm, dry houses, apartments to go home to tonight. We thank you for that. We've got food that we can eat. We thank you for that. More than all that, though, we thank you that you are reliable, infinitely reliable, trustworthy. Lord, when you say something, we can trust you. We can put everything, everything in our lives in you, Lord, knowing you'll take care of it. Help us to live that kind of life, Lord, not to be... Not to be, uh, you know, flighty or to, to be inconsistent, but really just to trust in you because you are fully trustworthy. We thank you. Please be with us this week. Walk beside us and help us to know and to be aware and to pay attention to your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, you guys.